0: This is Smart Poker Study, episode 223, adding the check raise to your post-flop arsenal. In last week's episode number 222, I gave you the hows and the why we should double-barrel c-bet more frequently on the turn. It's poker study time, y'all. So thank you very much for sharing the show. Word of mouth is the number way in which we grow, so I appreciate you telling your friends, tweeting out the tweets, Facebook and the Facebooks. I appreciate it. And uh, let's see here. Oh, if you want to make better bluff C-bets and double barrels, of course, please check out my next monthly webinar called Profitable Bluff C-bets and Double Barrels. It's going to be next week, Tuesday, January 26th, 2019. And uh, you can learn more by visiting smartpokerstudy.com slash webinar. On that page, you're going to find out or you're going to see a a description of the webinar. And there's also a mind map preview of what I'm going to teach you in the webinar. And please use offer code podcast to get a discount. And I want to give a quick shout out to Brian Chansey for being my latest Patreon supporter. He just jumped aboard this train and we're hitting all the stops on our journey to poker greatness. Thank you so much for your support, Brian. If you want to be an insider just like Brian, just visit patreon.com slash smartpokerstudy. There are different levels of support with different rewards attached. Just last week, I put out the Patreon reward uh, podcast as well as the reward podcast training video. And once again because this is the month of post-flop, both of those were post-flop related. So if you want to support the show and get more poker goodness, go to patreon.com/smartpokerstudy. All righty, let's get to check raises. Now, check raises are a great way to nullify your opponent's positional advantage, and it's of course good for both getting value and for getting folds. So let's get to today's challenge. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Play with a check-raise mindset over your next five sessions. You will be looking and acting upon every seemingly positive EV check-raise opportunity. Pay attention to every post-flop, out-of-position hand that you play, because that's when you have the opportunity to check-raise. Maybe you're not so comfortable with check-raising just yet, so this is your time to shine and get comfortable by practicing the check raise. Before you get to the flop, look at your opponent's bet flop or C bet flop statistic. You do this to gauge how likely they are to bet when you check to them. Test out your value check raises and your bluff check raises on different boards with different sizings. Choose two pair or better hands for your value check raises. Choose drawing hands and backdoor draws for your semi bluff check raises. Tag every hand where you check raise and every hand where you considered the check raise but did not pull the trigger. You will study all of these tagged hands in your next study session. Now it's your turn to pull the trigger and scooby dooby do something positive for your poker game. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topping. There is another world beneath it. The real world. And if you want to survive it, you better learn to pull the trigger. Alrighty, so if you want, you can stop the podcast right now. Simply do that challenge, and you'll get a ton of check raising practice in this week. And if you want the most, go to the show notes page for everything I discussed today, along with screenshots and links at slash pod 223 Well, it is that time, Gambatte. <laughs> There are four reasons why the check raise should be in your post-flop betting arsenal. Reason number one is that check raises nullify positional advantage. And I've told you a million times that position is the number one advantage that you can have at the tables. But I may have never mentioned that check raising is a way to nullify your opponent's positional advantage. They've seen you check already, so you appear to not like the flop. This can lull your in-position opponent into a false sense of security, which leads them to bluffing a good amount of the time. If they are bluffing, then most of those bluffing hands are possibly going to fold to a check raise. Reason number two to check raise is that check raises make the high-frequency c-betters fold very often. The more frequent a player c-bets, the more junk they do it with. 70% or more, and their range is full of non-value hands that they're just betting to try to bluff you off the pot. They can't profitably stand up against your check raise, so the best play with their worst c-betting hands is to fold, earning you a nice profit. Reason number three to check raise is that they look frickin' scary. Because they look so scary, they help to convince your opponent to fold, A lot of people, they only check raise when they have two pair or better hands. So when you check raise them, they're gonna see monsters under the bed, they're gonna assume that you have that two pair or better, and they're gonna fold to your show of strength. And the fourth reason for check raising is that it earns lots of value from your strong hands. If your opponent cannot fold a top pair hand nor some kind of a draw, and you check raise with those strong made hands, then you're getting great value by doing the check raise. Also, if your opponents have seen you check-raise bluff in the past, they can give you loads of value when you're doing it with the nuts down the road, and they just don't believe you have anything good. Alright, so let's talk about the check-raising statistic. You might not know what your check-raise stat is. If you're in front of your computer right now, I want you to open up your poker tracking database and see how frequently you have check-raised over the past 20,000 hands or more. Now pull up the stats from an aggressive regular at your stakes. I'm sure you know some of them by name, right? Compare your check raise stat with their check raise stat. If it is between zero and seven percent, you are a value only check raiser, or they're a value only check raiser as well. Uh, between seven and fifteen percent, they throw out the occasional bluff. And if it's at 15% or greater, you or those uh, reg opponents of yours, they are check-raise bluffing way too frequently. It's full of bluffs at 15%. Let me show you how I came up with these percentages. Uh, well, from num- for number one, it's from experience, right? From coaching players, as well as um, observing some of my opponents and their check-raising patterns and looking at check-raising stats and all. The other way that I figured out these percentages is utilizing Flopzilla. So if you go to the show notes page for today, you're going to see a screenshot right there of a common 16% calling range. Now that flopzilla little screenshot, it's going to show you that this range the 16% calling range. It hits two pair or greater only 6.3% of the time. And most people check raise for value with two pair or greater. So this is why below 7% indicates a value check raiser. Now what if we add some common bluff check raising hands into this range right here? So if you go to the show notes page, you're going to see a second screenshot, same 16% range, but if they're check raising two pair or better and open and straight draws, nut flush draws and regular flush draws, they're now check raising 14.8% of the time. So at 15% check raising, If that's what their stat is, more than half of their check-raising range is made up of some kind of semi-draw bluffing or semi-bluff drawing hands. So believe me when I tell you that sub-7% over a big sample is value, 7-15 to has both value and bluffs thrown in, and over 15 is a ton of bluffs. You want your check-raise stat at roughly 12%. This is going to make it. So those good opponents that you have, the ones that use um, a poker tracking software or a HUD, they won't have an automatic decision when you check raise them. If your check raise is at 6%, they have an easy fold with all of their seabed bluffs. And if it's at 18%, it's an easy call or re-raise because you bluff so often. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrialcom smart poker study. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from, and my three books are there How to Study Poker Volume 1, Volume 2, and Preflop Online Poker. Now, Preflop Online Poker is the most expensive book I have there. So, when you get your free audiobook trial and that first free audiobook download, download Preflop Online Poker. And then, because it's cheaper, purchase How to Study Poker Volume 1. Listen to that first so that you can get more out of preflop online poker when you listen to that as book number two in the rotation. So please visit audibletrial.com smartpokerstudy to start your audiobook learning journey. And a few shout outs today, Robbie Franks purchased PokerTracker4 through my affiliate. He went to smartpokerstudy.com slash pokertracker4, all one word there. And now he's using PokerTracker4 to learn from his own hands that he plays to analyze his opponent's game. And he's utilizing that smart HUD that I sent him uh, in order to exploit those opponents. So keep that up, Robbie. Speaking of the smart HUD, Ben Moore and Orlando purchased it directly by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash smart HUD. Because they have my smart HUD for Poker Tracker 4, I also sent them my uh, uh, or a couple playlists of videos to get more out of the smart HUD as well as more out of Poker Tracker 4. So thank you very much, Ben and Orlando. Wow, a few more shout outs. We have Ben Moore again. He purchased preflop online poker directly from me. So he got the book as well as the audiobook combined. And you can find a, a link to that in the show notes. And then Chris Erickson purchased all three of my books on Amazon. How to Study Poker Volume 1, Volume 2, and Preflop Online Poker. Thank you very much, Chris and Ben, for getting my books. And lastly, I wanna thank Roland Mueller for purchasing my latest webinar, Poker's Bread and Butter Webinar. This is teaching him to get into the most profitable situation more frequently at the tables. If you want it for yourself, just go to the show notes page and click the same link that Roland did. Alrighty, back to class, poker people. So let's discuss making profitable check raises. Now I'm going to break this up into value check raises and bluff check raises. And the reason why is there's a bit of a difference between the two and value check raises are just so much easier in general to make, right? They just kind of come naturally when you flop those strong hands. When it comes to those value check raises, you want to be making them with two pair or better hands. You can throw in the occasional top pair hand if you feel that they can call with worse top pair or worse under pair hands. But this is an aggressive play that builds the pot. Remember you're check raising for value. So you actually want them to call or you want them to come over the top. So you need to be reasonably sure that you are ahead of your opponent here. Before you check raise for value, ask yourself, what are they betting that they will call or re-raise to give me value? If you can name hands like over pairs, top pairs, or draws, then you want to make the value check raise. If you can't name anything that's worse than yours that can give you value, just check call instead to keep them in so that you can get value on a later street. You want to choose a size that's going to get them to call with worse hands. It's terrible when you check raise for 30 big blinds with top set and they just fold. You are better off going for somewhere between a min check raise and a 3x check raise for value. You don't want to give them too good of a price for any draws they might have, but you don't want to make it too easy for them to fold their weaker hands. Like I said before, check raising can give you crazy value for some of your strongest hands. It's like when you flop a set of eights on the 10-8-4 board when you called the preflop raiser from out of position. They have a pretty strong range because they raised preflop, so they're most likely going to see bet here. If you decide to check raise, if they have some of those over pairs, aces, kings, and queens, they are not going to be folding on that 10, 8, 4 board. You're getting crazy value with your set of eights. And really, you have to go for maximum value whenever you flop some of those strongest hands. And check raising is a great way to do it. So value check raising is actually pretty easy to do. Things get a little dicey when you're considering the bluff check raise, though. Normally with a bluff check raise, you're going to do it with some kind of a drawing hand. Flush draws and straight draws are great for this because if you do get called, you have the opportunity to hit something strong on the turn and that's going to allow you to get some value then. The most important thing about bluff check raising is that you want them to fold. Regardless of the strength of your hand, you are check raising as a bluff. The first thing you need to do is look for signs that they will fold to your check raise. In my C-bet pop-up in the smart HUD, I include the stat, fold C-bet to a raise. If this percentage is high, like 60% or more, that means my check raise bluff has a high likelihood of working. If they also have a C-bet stat at around 70%, that's a good sign as well. People who C-bet a lot and fold a lot to raises are the best ones to bluff check raise against. Now let's talk about the different types of bluff check raising hands. First off are the total bluffs. These hands have very little showdown equity and very little drawing equity. It's like having pocket threes on a jack and nine deuce rainbow board or 10 to eight on a queen 5-4 board. You are betting on these hard to hit boards with the sole intention of getting your opponent to fold. These hands are absolutely not worthy of check calling. So your options are to check fold or check raise bluff. If you think they can fold, then you should attempt the check raise bluff. Before you choose your bluff check raise sizing, ask yourself what sizing would I use with a strong hand, and what will they fold to? Figure out what that bet sizing is and bet at that or near that amount. If they see bet half pot and you just min raise, they're getting great odds to call with draws and marginal showdown value hands like top pair weak kicker or second pair. You want them to fold, so it might require making a two and a half to a three times check raise. This is going to require some testing on your part though. So like I said at the beginning of this episode in the challenge, this is your time to shine. This is your time to test out different sizings, different boards, and different opponents to check raise against. If you notice somebody folding frequently versus smaller check raises, take note of this so that you can save yourself money when you check raise bluff them in the future. Next up are the semi-bluff check raises. These are when you have some sort of immediate draw that can hit on the turn. It's like betting the ace of diamonds, 10 of diamonds on the jack of hearts, nine of diamonds, six of diamonds board. You can hit your diamond for a flush and you've got the ace as an out for a top pair and even an eight or a seven will give you a straight draw. Another example of a semi-bluff is holding the nine, eight on the 107 four board. Your opponent doesn't have a lot of 10s in their open raising range so they may just c-bet and then fold to your check raise pretty quickly. You can also hit a jack or a six on the turn for a straight and even a nine or an eight will give you a second pair hand which you might be able to get to showdown with. Lastly we have the back door bluff check raises. Now these are great for check raising when you think they can find a fold on the flop but then you're also willing to double barrel bluff on the turn. Back door means that you have to go runner-runner to make a hand. This is like holding the ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds, on a single diamond, seven eight three board. On the turn, you can gain equity by hitting any diamond for a flush draw, a 10 or a 6 gives you an open-ended straight draw, and a jack or a 5 gives you a gut shot draw. Also, any ace gives you top pair, That's six different cards that add equity to your hand in case they call your flop check raise. I call these six different cards equity outs. Now it's important to remember that you're check raising because you think they can fold on the flop. But when you check raise with a backdoor draw like this, you must be willing to double barrel when you hit one of your equity outs. Make sure to follow through when one of your cards comes on the turn. If one of the cards does not come and the turn just doesn't help you at all, it's okay to give up at this point. This episode isn't complete until you head to the show notes page at www.smartpokerstudy.com slash pod223. Go there for screenshots and links to everything discussed today and to discover ways in which you can support the podcast and keep me keeping on. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you step into action with today's challenge if you want to get the most out of this episode. And please visit smartpokerstudy.com slash webinar to learn more about this month's Bluff C-Betting webinar, obviously. And please use offer code PODCAST for a bit of a discount. Alrighty, poker people. In the next Strategy Friday episode number 224, I'm going to answer three more of your questions with some killer actions. Word of mouth is the best advertising, so thank you very much for sharing the show with other poker people. You're sharing and caring is what helps us grow. Until next time, study smart, play much, and make your next session the best one yet.